0: Back
1: to throw Fitzpatrick, throwing high into the air, Parker, touchdown! What a win for this Miami Dolphin team, wow! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Thursday, I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose, of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show Thursday is preview day no game in the NFL tonight but we're going to take a look at the New York Jets coming to town to take on your Miami Dolphins we'll look at the matchups the personnel the scheme for Sunday plus we'll get you updated on the latest injuries we'll hear from coach Flores and some of your Miami Dolphins all of that and more on this Thursday October the 15th edition of the drive time
2: podcast
1: And the Drive Time Podcast is brought to you by AutoNation. There are so many reasons to drive pink, but for AutoNation, there's only one. To finish the fight against cancer. In fact, AutoNation has helped raise over $25 million to drive out cancer. To join the fight, visit the AutoNation store near you or drivepink.com. And so we are just four days out from kickoff as the New York Jets come to town Always love Jets Week. If you guys haven't heard the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice and Bart Scott, it's a a perfect primer for Jets Week and and talking about the rivalry and how it kind of originated in the 70s and 80s and then became really, and I talked about this on the podcast with Ronnie Brown we're going to have tomorrow, how for me, the rivalry really became intensified in that mid-2000s, the early aughts era with Rex Ryan. And I, I think it was because they were so outspoken and brash in the whole we're not going to come here and kiss Belichick's rings thing, and just the fact that there was a lot of trash talk back and forth between the two sides. I remember the game with Reggie Bush when they said they were going to put some hot sauce on Reggie Bush. There was just always some talk back and forth between the Dolphins and Jets in that time and it really revved things up for me. I think maybe Jets fans didn't like us as much and so that really intensified things as well. So Dolphins and Jets for me always is always the game of the year on the calendar just because you know, I think the best part about sports and aside from watching your team win is rooting against your rival, and that's true I think in most sports, especially in football, college, or the NFL, and the old t-shirt said it best, right? My favorite teams are the Miami Dolphins and whoever's playing the New York Jets that week, and for me, that's always been the case, and I remember back in the 2008 season, when we have Ronnie Brown on, we're going to talk about a game from 2009, but the Wildcat Division Championship season, that Week 17 game was on December 28th, and I'll never forget it because I usually got pumped up for Christmas, even though I was in my you know, late teens, early twenties at the time. I didn't care about Christmas that week. All I cared about was the Dolphins-Jets game on Sunday and Chad Pennington going in there and taking the division title from the team that cut him to bring in Brett Favre. I was so glued and plugged into that storyline. Couldn't wait for that game all day long. The Philip Merling pick six the other direction right after a touchdown pass to get on the board first and take that lead into halftime. And then the Ted Ginn catch in the back of the end zone, the Anthony Fasano catch in the corner of the end zone, and then that Andre Goodman interception to put that game on. On ice. Man, that was a fun, fun Sunday to cap off a very fun year. That's my favorite Jets game of all time. Let me know what yours is on Twitter at Wingfield NFL and tell me your favorite Dolphins and Jets memory. I'm sure a lot of folks go back to the fake spike game. That's gotta be up there for a a chunk of Dolphins fans, I would imagine. But let's go ahead now and talk about this week's game, week six, and start here with Dolphins and Jets injuries from Thursday. For the Miami Dolphins, one player was not out there on Thursday. Devon Godschau, with the biceps injury, did not practice. We had three players who were limited, defensive end Shaq Lawson, tight end Durham Smythe, and linebacker Kyle Van Noy, all out there on a limited basis. And five players were on the report, but full participants on Thursday's practice, safety Kayvon Frazier, cornerbacks Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, guard Solomon Kinley, and wide receiver Devontae Parker. For the visiting New York Jets on Thursday. They had three players who did not practice. Makai Becton, the offensive tackle, Sam Donald, the quarterback, and Frank Gore, the running back, had that Thursday day off, not injury-related for Frank Gore. They also had several players that were listed as limited and full participants on practice. Bless Austin, the cornerback, John Franklin Myers on the defensive line, Alex Lewis on the offensive line, Brashad Perriman, wide receiver, and defensive tackle Quinnan Williams all were limited participants on Thursday's practice, and then four players were full participants. Offensive tackle Chuma Adoga was a full participant on Thursday, as was fellow tackle George Fant, linebacker Jordan Jenkins, and cornerback Byron Poole both were full participants on the Jets' practice on Thursday. And let's go ahead and start Coach Flores' Thursday morning media availability off with some kicker talk. Matthew. Look, I started in a kicking game, you I mean, that's where
3: I got my, my, my break in coaching. So I know and understand how important those, 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 uh, guys at those positions are, whether it's kicker, punter, long snapper, returners, ball security, or, or things of that nature, uh, to have a guy who's dependable, a guy who, who, uh, you know, he's going to do everything he can possible to make sure, um, that he puts himself in the best position to, um, you know, make a great kick, make, make the kick that we need, make the punt that we need. Um, give us the snap that we need. And really you want that at all positions. Um, but, you know, no one really thinks about those specialists until, you know, we're down to the wire we need the kick. So, um, you know, Jason's done a great job. Um, again, I think it's important that he continues. It's important to him that he continues to improve and get better and continue with his consistency. That's been, you know, good, good thus far. And we need to just, you know, keep going in this direction. So, yes, I'm very uh, pleased with where he is and the job he's done really on uh, you know, on obviously field goals, but also kickoffs, he's done a good job from that standpoint. And just his every day, his, his, just his attitude and his work ethic on a day-to-day basis, he's, um, he's, he's, he's really done a good job really since I've been here.
1: I think there's a really great nugget in there. Coach talks about the fact that he got his start in the kicking game, and it's how he really broke in to the coaching ranks. And you go back to last April, you heard him talk about getting good kicks, good punts. And good snaps in there. Dolphins spent a sixth round draft pick on Blake Ferguson. Have we heard Blake's name yet? We haven't. And that's because and that's what you want, right? That's a good thing. He hasn't had a bad snap yet. The ball's been perfect every time. And that impacts the kicking game too. It impacts the way the, the field goal kicker sees the hold and the way the holder gets the football down. And so Jason Sanders this season, you know, with the new battery he has there with the long snapper and Matt Hawk as the holder, hasn't missed a kick yet. So putting an emphasis on the small details has been a very big a big you know, sticking point here with Coach Flores since he got here. And the kicking game's a big sticking point as well. And look at what they've got now. 14 consecutive field goals. You can't ask for more than that out of your special teams unit. From talk of a third-year kicker to a rookie long snapper to another rookie, but in a different position in the trenches on the defensive line, on the interior, Raquan Davis. Coach Flores was asked about the potential of Raquan Davis and what they've seen so far out of the rookie through his first five NFL games. He's got a,
3: a lot of talent. Uh, he's big. He's strong. He's athletic, but he's young. You know, he's a young player still learning how to play um, in this league against um, a lot of good players. He's still trying to find his way and find his uh, uh, his niche, his role uh, within within the scheme. And I think as a staff, we're trying to we're trying to you know put him in good positions, one of the best positions to, to do what he does well. So, you know, he's tough and he cares. With the injury to to to, to you, out, you know, he should get some a few more opportunities. Um, along with some other guys, and and uh, I hopefully takes advantage of those opportunities. But yeah, there's there's talent here. Uh, we just gotta you know get them to play uh, with with more consistency, which is you know the case for all young
1: players. And we have seen that talent shine through before at Alabama. He's had some big seasons, some big games, some big-time moments. Even in the National Championship, once there, Raekwon Davis getting his hands on a football for an interception. Got a sack a few plays earlier in that game. So he is no stranger to big moments and big spots. And you heard Coach talk about the possible elevation and playing time there. We've seen Raekwon Davis play a few snaps now so far through the first five games of this Dolphin season. And despite the fact that there's not much tape on him, we've seen him get doubled a few times, and that's kind of the attention of body like that commands, that big, long frame, but also thick and powerful. He has the long wingspan, so he can certainly engage and disengage off of a single block and make guys fall off those blocks. So I think the more you see Raquan Davis kind of get going here in his pro career, and you see this coaching staff really kind of take a hold and get his development at that next stage. I think we could see big things there from Raekwon Davis. And and like Coach Flores said, he's going to get some opportunities now with Devon Godshow's biceps injury. And let's go ahead and finish up here. And you're going to hear a quote on tomorrow's Drive Time flashback podcast from Ronnie Brown about how he connected with Coach Tony Sperano over boxing. And he was a big boxing fan and believed in the the – toughness of boxing and how that may be translated to a football field or was a parallel to a football field. We finish up here with Coach from a question from Cam Wolf of ESPN who asked Coach about a, a Brooklyn native Honduran descent uh, boxer Tito Fimo Lopez who will fight on Saturday night. He asked Coach if he's a fan of that boxer.
3: Yeah, a Brooklyn guy from Honduras. Yeah, I, I know exactly who he is. Uh, good fighter. Um, look, I'm not really big into boxing, but um, you know, you know, aside from Mike Tyson being a, 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 right from the neighborhood I grew up in, um, I was always a big fan of his, uh, but yeah, um I know I know a little bit, but you know, a Brooklyn guy from Honduras, yeah, I'm rooting for him, uh, no matter you know what's going on.
1: At the start of the question, Coach had a huge smile. At the end of the question, the smile got 10 times bigger. So I thought it was cool to put it in there. If you guys want to see the video up on MiamiDolphins.com or the YouTube page, along with all the other press media availabilities here, you can check those out and see Coach get excited about a fellow Brooklyn, fellow Honduras uh, native uh, in, in a boxing match on Saturday night. So good stuff there from Coach. Let's go ahead and spin this thing forward to the game on Sunday. The New York Jets come to town. It's another late kickoff as the game will start at 4.05 Eastern at Hard Rock Stadium. 85 degree temperatures, 74% humidity, 50% chance of precipitation, which is kind of a daily occurrence here in South Florida, and 15 mile per hour winds. The 2-3 Dolphins versus the 0-5 New York Jets on Sunday, October the 18th. And in the victories over Jacksonville and San Francisco this year, the Dolphins raced out to 14-0 leads in a flash in both of those games as the offense scored on the first two possessions of both of those games and the first three possessions in the Jacksonville game as well. They did it with balance in the passing game and the running game. We saw Miles Gaskin really get going in that Jacksonville opening couple of series. We saw the passing game take off with the opening play of the game last week, 47 yards down the sideline from Fitzpatrick to Preston Williams. But we also saw the defense bow up and make three collective stops on those drives to create that collective 28-0 lead in those two games. They had a three and out and a fourth down stop and a four down series. Jacksonville picked up a first down and then got a three and out after that on one of those series. So Miami's defense really playing that complimentary style of football to get this team off to a fast start. Coach Flores talked about playing fast, saying, we always talk about playing fast, starting fast. It's something we harp on on a weekly basis, end quote there from Coach Flores. And from that point forward, the defense really just teed off. In the two games combined, Miami racked up eight sacks, four takeaways, four takeaways, And allowed just 30 points. They have climbed all the way up to number 10 in the NFL in points allowed as a result. And in those two games combined, pro football focus credited Miami with 45 quarterback pressures from 13 different players. So it's a full team effort getting pressure on the quarterback. And that win, of course, last week generated some good vibes. And really help to validate a good week of work on the practice field, in the film room, and in the classroom. And it also helps create confidence, something quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick believes is invaluable to this young team. He said this earlier this week, we've got a lot of young guys on both sides of the ball. So having that feeling of confidence early and knowing that we're going to play well, I think it really helps out. Especially with some of the youth and inexperience we have on this team, end quote. And the Dolphins were scheduled to travel to Denver this week for a game with the Broncos. But of course, 2020 is a year of change. And Flores addressed the change in schedule on Sunday, just a few hours before the game, with all those sweeping changes to Miami's schedule, talking about it being a different year. Everyone has to adjust and be flexible. Been talking all year about how we're going to have to do that. And the coaches were breaking down film on Sunday morning, according to Flores. And he said he was sure the Jets were doing the same thing with the Dolphins. But he just ends with this quote, we've got to adapt and that's what we'll do, end quote. And that's where the Dolphins are right now. Two and three heading into week six against the New York Jets, welcoming in those Jets and head coach Adam Gase, who announced that quarterback Sam Darnold would not play in the game on Sunday. He's already been ruled out. That means it's Joe Flacco. The second consecutive missed start here for Darnold on an offense that is battling several injuries. Makai Becton has not practiced this week. Alex Lewis has not practiced. And Denzel Mims, the rookie receiver, was cleared to return to practice this week after missing the first five games of his NFL career. So we could see Mims make his NFL debut on Sunday. The receiver with the most snaps played this year for the Jets is Chris Hogan. You might recall him from Hard Knocks in 2012, 7-11 himself. He's the only receiver on the Jets offense with more than 50% of the offensive workload. So it kind of tells you how they've been health-wise At that position, Jamison Crowder is right below that at 49%. He's been their most productive receiver for the last couple of seasons now. And Alex Lewis on the offensive line, we talked about him, has not practiced this week. If he's out, that leaves the Jets offensive line with only one player who has played 100% of the offensive snaps. That's 2020 free agent acquisition Greg Van Roten and former Dolphins linebacker Neville Hewitt is second on the Jets with snaps played at 99.1%. Safety Marcus May leads them at 99.7%. And Bradley McDougall is the only other defender with better than 80% of the defensive snaps played. He's played 92% so far this season. So plenty of reshuffling and remaking and guys coming off the bench and playing for that Jets team so far this season. The matchup highlights in this game. Went over this carefully, tried to figure out where I wanted to go with it. My first one is to just run it back. This is a two-pronged approach here for this matchup highlight. First, the Dolphins' pass catchers got vertical repeatedly last week against the 49ers, and we could see something similar this week. Last year in the home game versus the Jets, Fitzpatrick completed three passes on throws that were 20-plus yards down the field for 72 yards and a touchdown pass, according to Pro Football Focus. Last week, he was 5-of-6 for 199 and two scores, throwing the ball deep down the field, 20-plus yards. This season, Fitzpatrick has an average intended air yards of 8.0 compared to an average completed air yards of 6.7. So intended air yards is... Your average depth of target, whereas the 6.7 completed air yards is the average depth of target on completed passes. So the Dolphins passing game, what that kind of tells you is they get plenty of yards through the air, but not much yak afterwards. And that's not to say that these guys can't run after the catch. It just talks about the isolation and 50-50 ball game that is really among the best in the NFL because you have guys like Devontae Parker, six foot three. And a 36 and a half inch vertical. Preston Williams, six foot five. Mike Gasicki, six foot six. These guys can go up and rebound the football off the opposition's helmet with the best in the entire league. And last year, in the first game, now the second game, we didn't have Preston Williams, and Devontae Parker was injured midway through the second game. So we only had Mike Gasicki for most of that game. But in the first contest, the win at home against the Jets, those three players combined for 15 receptions, 224 yards, and three touchdowns. Now to De- Defensively, on the run it back portion, the Dolphins constantly put pressure on both 49ers quarterbacks last week in Jimmy Garoppolo and C.J. Bethard, particularly on the interior of Miami's 19 pressures last week. Only five of those came off players rushing off the edge. That, of course, according to Pro Football Focus, interior pressure tends to be more volatile against elusive quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, Patrick Mahomes, all these guys that can flee the pocket to the left or the right. Well, Joe Flacco piled up 40,000 career passing yards as a traditional pocket passer with a howitzer for a right arm. Good decision-making, good anticipation. So the key to those guys, like it has been for so many players before, you always hear the Tom Brady trope, right? Get pressure up the middle on Tom Brady. You want to put pressure on the interior on these traditional pocket passers, make them uncomfortable, and force them to make decisions with trash down around their feet. Miami did a good job of that last week in the San Francisco game. Hopefully they can do the same this week against Flacco and the Jets. And perhaps the biggest loss for the Jets so far this season has been Mikai Beckton, who looked like an absolute superstar at left tackle, but he has recently been injured and not been available for that Jets offensive line. So attack relentlessly, make Flacco uncomfortable. More Fitzmagic is the next one up here on the Matchup Highlights. What can you say about this guy? He has the fifth total, fifth highest total QBR in the NFL on balance. He has the highest single-game passer rating this year with nearly a perfect 154.5. You might recall 158.3 is perfect. Not to mention the highest total QBR for a single game last week at 99.1 and the fourth highest mark this year at 97.2 back in his week three performance against Jacksonville. The 16-year veteran is flat out dealing right now. Carefully choosing his spots against Pierre Desir might be a wise decision. His stats have been boomer bust this season. He is tied for third, or tied for the league lead, rather, with three interceptions on the season. But PFF has opposing receivers with 16 receptions on 20 targets for 235 yards and four touchdowns on Desir. So picks and touchdowns and yards. He's been busy both ways so far this year on defense and with Fitzpatrick. We heard him talk about this on the Wednesday podcast about how over the course of a 16-year career, a lot of experience and film study and just kind of accumulating this catalog of plays in the back of his mind that he really likes has helped, as well as developing more chemistry and comfortability with this young Dolphins receiver core. So he's seeing things. He's letting it fly. I highly, highly recommend checking out Brian Baldinger's breakdown of the Dolphins offensive line and quarterback play last week, getting it done, throwing the football down the field with anticipation, standing in under the gun and making big-time throws for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Desir is second among all Jets cornerbacks with 77.8% of the defensive snaps. Brian Poole has the most at 80.1%, but 203 of those 285 snaps come inside at the slot. So out wide, it's Pierre Desir. And then Bless Austin has been up next with 61.4% of their snaps played, but he has been limited this week with a calf injury. The third matchup to watch is to keep Quinnen quiet. Quinnen Williams, in the run-up to the 2019 NFL Draft, his name was up there with Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa as potential number one overall picks. He went third overall, and the Jets became the beneficiaries of that. He ranks top 10 in both ESPN's newly developed analytics for measuring pass rush and run-stop win rates. Among defensive tackles, Williams ranks ninth in pass rush win rate, that's hard to say, at 15%, and fifth, and run-stop win rate at 44%. And for comparison's sake, and since this is a Miami Dolphins podcast, Christian Wilkins is third among defensive tackles in run-stop win rate at 47%. But... On the Dolphins' interior offensive line, dealing with Quinn and Williams, they have remade those three guys up front with Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, and Solomon Kinley, two free agent signings and a draft pick in the fourth round. Opposing interior pass rushers have 16 pressures and one sack on those guys, per Pro Football Focus. That's a pressure rate on two on a 600 rather and 21 pass blocking snaps. That's a pressure rate of 2.5 percent on those interior guys. Last year, that number was at 5%. So the Dolphins remade those three positions up front and have literally cut that number in half through 5 games. The Jets scheme offensively, they've run 313 plays with 225 of those snaps coming out of 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three receivers. We know about that, right? We've seen that here before. The 71.9% clip is the fifth highest rate in the National Football League. The only other offensive package they have with more than 15 snaps are 12 and 13 personnel. Those are your two and three tight end sets. So you're going to see one tight end, two tight end, or three tight ends most of the time. Not very often you're going to get multiple backs or four wide sets with this Jets offense. Greg Williams is one of the game's most aggressive defensive coordinators and play callers. His defense often puts 10 guys up on the line, plays press, really challenges you to win physically off the line and they always have that single high safety deep off the football too. So they're kind of last minute defense, and then 10 guys up on the ball. They have the 12th most frequent blitzing team this year in the NFL at 30.7%, that courtesy of Pro Football Reference. And they are primarily a nickel team with 256 of their 327 snaps. That's 78.3% of the time they're going to be in that nickel defense. And so what that means is you go 11 personnel with, let's say, Parker, Williams, and Isaiah Ford with Mike Gasicki as the tight end, you're more more than likely going to get a linebacker on Mike Gasicki. If they stay in that nickel package and they go three corners out on Ford, Parker, and Williams, or if Grant's in the game, whatever it might be, you're either going to get a safety or a linebacker there on Mike Gasicki. And last year against linebackers in that Jets game, the first one, he caught three passes for 67 yards up against those Jet linebackers. Some final notes and thoughts here on this game, and you can read the preview up on MiamiDolphins.com. Again, Sam Darnold has been declared out, which means it is Joe Flacco making his second start as a member of the New York Jets. Last week, he completed 18 of 33 passes for 195, a touchdown, and no interceptions. It was his first start for the former Super Bowl MVP since last season when he was a member of the Denver Broncos. And the Dolphins defense, we talked about this, coming off the biggest sack production output since 2018 in the week's. 16 game against Jacksonville. Linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle and defensive end Emmanuel Ogbaugh both had strip sacks and the team picked up eight quarterback hits in that game. The win versus San Francisco was also Miami's lowest passing yards allowed since that 2018 Jacksonville game with 128 net passing yards against this Dolphins defense. The Jets lead the all-time series 55-52-1. Let's go ahead and try to cut that thing down to 55-53 on Sunday, and we're going to have all the recap and all the the post-game reaction for you guys here on the Drive Time Podcast with me, yours truly, Travis Wingfield, available on Sunday evening. And let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with our Thursday media availability. We're going to start here first with Dolphins defensive lineman, Zach Seeler, who plays multiple positions. You'll hear in his answer here, nose guard, three technique, five, and whatever he might be. He was asked about the difference in the way he prepares for each of those positions, whether it's inside, outside, or otherwise.
0: Uh, obviously it's, things happen faster when you get down low, uh, the closer you to the center, um. But for me, it's just every wherever I'm at, preparing-wise, and three-tech, nose guard, zero shade, outside, is just making sure I look at the player across from me, as in the offensive line I'm going against, and learning their keys. So not just focusing on one guy, but focus on all five of them. So I'm ready for whatever happens and whatever the game may call for.
1: And up next, I asked Zach about the Team first mentality and how excited guys get to play with each other. You're going to hear Ted Karras talk about this here in just one minute, but I watched the San Francisco game on the broadcast copy again last night and you just see guys losing their minds for each other. The fourth down stop, Kyle Van Noy goes crazy. So where does that come from for this Dolphins football team?
0: Uh, I guess it kind of comes from the top down. I mean, the coaches preach family and they preach be excited for anybody because, you know, someone makes a good play. I might give you an opportunity later on in the game for you to make a big play. So for us, it's just, it's an excitement. It's we're going through this together or the team We're we're family just keep grinding and keep celebrating those big plays.
1: And next you probably saw it all over Twitter on Thursday. We found out mid question. He dropped a bomb on us that he in fact lives in a fifth wheel in an RV. And I didn't get a chance to ask him if he is like Matt Foley down by the river, but Zach did tell us a few notes and details here about his fifth wheel life living in an RV campground and if he's ever hosted Dolphins players at the old campground.
0: Uh, I've had players hang out for sure. Um, uh, uh, yes, it's uh, campgrounds or little fit RV parks. Um, nice, a little nice spot. and find a little spot and set up there for a few months. I mean, Florida was great because, you know, everyone comes down here in the winter to live. So there's plenty of spots, especially right now.
1: How about if his neighbors know they live next to an NFL player?
0: I love it. No, I usually kind of keep that a little lower. You know, some some people will learn and whatever, and usually everyone's great. I mean, if you think about it, guys that are in our campground, usually they're vacationing. So everyone's happy. Everyone always waves. It's, it's not the typical, like, people living their daily lives. Usually they're on vacation. Um, it is kind of weird getting a new neighbor three, four times a
1: week. Uh, those are always really fun. I think the Austin Jackson ice cream thing a few months back was great. That one, hard to top that one. We'll see if we do beat that at some point this season. Up next, we had Dolphins Center Ted Karras, who first was asked about his teammate Zach Sealer and what he saw from him last year as an opponent, preparing for Sealer up front.
2: Well, I remember last year preparing um, for the last game of the season. They, you know, they had this guy who kind of came in mid-year who was playing really well and plays with really high effort, and and he's continued that this season. He's been very productive, and he's a great great teammate and a great guy, and and I'm I'm really excited for him. I you know I'm. I'm rooting for him to continue the way he's been playing.
1: And a lot of credit has been given to Steve Marshall from Chan Gailey and other coaches. We also have another assistant coach in an offensive line room named Lemuel Jean-Pierre. He used to play for the Seattle Seahawks in his playing days. And I asked Ted Karras about the balance of having someone like Coach Marshall with 40-plus years of coaching experience, but also having Lem, as he's called around the building here, in the room with playing experience and how those two can balance each other as coaches
2: yeah i mean collectively um you know we have coaches in the room with with a lot of nfl experience and uh, you know i think it's serving us very well especially you know having a young o-line um you know i think it's a you know a testament to how hard you know these these young guys are working and and e flow and jesse and i and 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 all the vets too um you know i think we have a really good room and really excited but we got to keep you know, preparing like we have been and going and, um, you know, putting out our best performances when it counts the most.
1: And then kind of back on that topic of the question we had for Zach Sealer about how guys really kind of rally around each other, around each other, and what makes them so, why is it so desirable to be so excited for your teammates to make plays and where that comes from? Here's Ted Karras talking about the locker room, the people they have in that building, and the mindset in the Dolphins locker room.
2: Well, I think it comes down to the guys we have in the locker room and we have guys that work hard and want to do things right and care about each other and uh, hold each other accountable and, um, you know, genuinely enjoy playing the game of football. And, um, you know, it's been, it's a pleasure to come to work every day with guys in this locker room, many, many close friends and, and, you know, we get competitive and, you know, we, we want to do our best for each other. And so, um, You know, hopefully, you know you've seen a little bit of that on the field uh, these past couple weeks, but we got to keep keep showing that and emphasizing, you know, that part of
1: the game. And one theme we've had this week is teammates talking about what Ryan Fitzpatrick means to this Dolphins football team. Let's go ahead and hear Dolphins center Ted Karras on that topic.
2: It's extraordinary. He's he's an extraordinary man. I am uh, very fortunate to be able to you know suit up with him, Um, and you know I do love it when he can. Turn a third and eight scramble into a first down, that is a pretty, uh, that's a luxury as an O-lineman. So um, it's been a lot of fun playing and I've learned so much from him already. And I continue to learn, you know, every single day. And, uh, you know, as we grow and and continue to, uh, you know, create continuity and and, uh, comfortability with each other.
1: And from the 16-year vet to the two and now three rookies that Ted Karras has played along the offensive line with in Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, and Robert Hunt, most recently here in San Francisco. What has he seen from the rookies on that offensive line as we'll hear about Kinley, Hunt, and Jackson here from Ted Karras?
2: Great men that want to do the right things, that are eager to learn and, and um, I guess, ego and in trying to, you know, get better. Obviously a very, very talented group, all highly drafted, um, and guys that came in and just want to listen and work and, and do the right thing and help the team win in any way they can.
1: And on the topic of those rookies, we had Solomon Kinley up next, and this is going to be a theme this week, I have a feeling. People want to know, have you been to Zach Sealer's RV? Did you know people lived in RVs? Solomon Kinley didn't know that.
4: Yeah, I had no clue. I would, I would love to go visit and see how he's living and see how it is because – I always seen them growing up, but I never really knew nobody to stay. I like stayed inside. Them. I thought they just travel with them and everything. So I never knew that.
1: And for the next question here, I think Dolphins fans are going to love to hear this, and so would Brian Flores and the Dolphins coaching staff. You might recall we had Brandon Jones in a podcast, Dolphins rookie safety out of Texas a while back, and I asked him about the quizzes that Coach Flo gives throughout the day on the practice field, in the film room. Little little short quizzes to make sure you're paying attention, that you have the answers to the test, so you can play fast on Sundays. Well, here's Solomon Kinley talking about how he and Robert Hunt prepare and the fact that they give each other tests on their free time at home.
4: Um, throughout the whole week, we always we always talk to each other. Even if he wasn't playing, as in if anybody goes down, he got to step up and get in. So we always talk to each other about this assignment, how these safeties look, how this defensive line is rotating. You know, pretty much like throughout the week, we look at film and we do every little small. We do small stuff with each other at home. Like we got tests that we do throughout the week. Look at film throughout the whole week, so we can get comfortable and the game could be slowed by the time we get there Sunday.
1: Solomon, some of my favorite offensive line breakdown people on social media and whatnot like to talk about the way you punish jumpers and the way you finish your blocks and drive guys to the ground. I'm curious where you developed that mindset and that mentality and how you've been able to take that over now from your college career into the pros.
4: Um, Pretty much me growing up, my history, how I came up and how I lived, it just puts me in a position that I am how I am today. I always want to finish. I always want to drive. Like So that just – what I, I take, I take it from real life until on the football field because it, like it is, it's real life. So I just, I never want to be one of the persons that coach can pick out. He's slacking, he's missing this block, or he's not doing this because he didn't give enough effort. That's that's like, that's my biggest critic of ever. That's like my biggest critic ever. I never want to do that. So I make sure anything I do, I finish to 100%.
1: And I think that's a great spot to finish the podcast right there at 100%. You heard from Solomon Kinley, Zach Sealer, and Ted Karras, as well as Coach Flores, and had the game preview on tomorrow's podcast. We are going to go back to 2009 for Finn's flashback and take a look at the game against the New York Jets on Monday night football in the orange jerseys, a big, big primetime win for your Miami Dolphins. We'll do that with Ronnie Brown. As for today's time, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcast Spotify wherever you get your podcast from go ahead and leave us a rating leave us a review that really helps us out really appreciate that so so much also give me a follow on Twitter it's at Wingfield NFL follow the team at Miami Dolphins check out the fish tank and the audible podcast you do not want to miss the Bart Scott episode so so good and I know we don't want to hear about the loss but the way he broke down the way those Ravens teams defended the Wildcat very good stuff if you're into the football X's and O's side of things and also plenty of good trash talk as well. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com for all the content, the preview, the keys to the game, plenty of stuff up on the website. And before I get out of here, one last thing, want to wish a quick happy birthday to my brother, Ryan, 35 years old, or 36 now actually, getting old, old man. Happy birthday, Ryan. And uh, hopefully we can enjoy a Dolphins win on Sunday for you. Until then, until next time, guys, fins up.